Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel in Skinny Atlas, New York. If you'd like to find more like this, or you'd like to learn a little bit more about our church, you can do so by going to gconline.org. And now, let's jump into this week's message. We're in our final week of our vision series, and uh, man, it's, it's been amazing. And I'm looking forward to this week as we get to uh, continue to talk about this idea of it's time to change the narrative. The first week, we looked at some realities about the American church regarding faith, regarding the next generation, regarding community, and regarding mission. I'll be honest, it was staggering. Some of those statistics were chilling. Do you realize how many people are walking away from faith, how the church has become just kind of ingrown? And we said, at Grace Chapel, we want to break that narrative. We want to change the narrative that's being written and be able to reflect the narrative that we believe God ordained us for. And has called us to. So today, we have that final uh, message as we talk about mission. It's time to pursue our mission. So as we do that today, we're going to do it a little different. You ready? How many of you like different? You like different? Some people are like, no. Listen, when I go to a restaurant, I get the same thing every time. How many people are like me? Okay, how many of you are adventurers? You like... You, you go out there and try something new on the menu. Mm-hmm. And some of you just aren't voting today. I can see that. Uh-huh. Yes. Anyways, um, today we're going to do things a little different in order because we want to take a moment. We want to celebrate how we as a people, as a church, are pursuing the mission of God, where we see that realized. And then the second part, we're going to say, let's take time to dream. Life's too short not to dream. Dream what God could do as we continue to pursue the mission that he has called us to. So to do this, I'm going to ask Pastor Oz, come on up, and he's going to share with us a little bit about the Hope Outreach Center and where we are currently pursuing the mission of God. Would you welcome Pastor Oz? Well, good morning. I know um, many of you know and have heard about the Hope Outreach Center because you've been here for a number of years, but I also know that, praise God, we have new people that walk through the door every week, and uh, they might say, what in the world is this? So I just wanted to uh, just give you a little history uh, about uh, how Hope Outreach Center came into being, why it came into being, how it went from a dream to a reality. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a four-story building uh, there uh, in Dimapur, India right now. Uh, our very first missions trip at Grace Chapel was in 2005 to Dimapur, India to, uh, to work with one of our partners, Devendra Rai. And uh, when we were there, we realized that there's just a ton of kids that are out in the fields working all day. Uh, and it's a school year. Why aren't you in school? And so, you know, we started asking questions and we found out that uh, the reason they're not in school is because they can't get past fourth grade. The reason they can't get past fourth grade is because the government educational system is so corrupt that uh, children need tutors to pass a test to get into fifth grade, that they don't equip them to pass that test. And so unless you have some money in India to hire an English, math, science, geography, history tutor, 
for your child, your child's going to be in the fields for the rest of his life. And so we started dreaming, well, what would that look like if we could get involved and give these children hope, hence the name Hope Outreach Center. We call it HOC for short. And so what, uh, what began as a dream in 2005 has turned over the last 17 years into a, a full-time ministry in Dimapur, India, where over 100 kids come after school every day, and there are seven college-age tutors there that help them with their homework, that tutor them to get them ready to pass that, you know, that test so they can get into the, into the upper grades and give them some type of hope. Uh, the neat thing is that some of those college kids, because it's been 17 years now, were those kids. <laughs> I just, it just takes my breath away. That some of the teachers at HOC were the students at HOC. So can lives be changed? Yes. Lives can be changed. And we know that, uh, you know, it's just not all work and no play. Kids don't, you know, you know, in case you didn't realize that kids don't like schoolwork. Uh, so, you know, we, we sort of draw them in with different hooks. So we have a 50-foot climbing wall there. Uh, we've actually had uh, uh, groups of, uh, of high school kids go on to national competitions from that climbing wall and have won those national competitions. We have the only swimming pool in Nagaland. And I, I take it from experience, it is so hot there. Uh, the only pool there, so kids can come, you know, if they come to tutoring, they get to go to the pool. Yeah, so we, uh, we have a kitchen. Um, uh, we do games with the kids. We give them snacks every day. We invite the entire village once a month to a lunch there because we don't want to minister to just the kids. We want to minister to all those families. It's changing lives there. It's run by... A uh, pastor whose name is Long Shukia and his wife Preeti, they do an amazing, amazing job. They have such a, a heart for kids. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> pictures are one thing and sounds are another. So I just want to give you about a 10-second clip of the buzz of what's happening at, uh, at HOC this week. So take a listen. Being given hope, given a future. Um, I also want to let you know that every brick that you see in that picture, every drop of paint, every drop of water, every snack, all the wages of all the teachers in Long Shakia, uh, all come from this one church called Grace Chapel. It is the only source of income that Hope, Outre hope Outreach Center has. And so uh, uh, I, I want to boast on the Lord a little bit and say how, how thankful I am for a congregation that uh, would allow this to happen a half a world away to people that you don't even know. Uh, it, it is making a, a difference in their lives. Uh, some things that you might not know, because we probably should do a better job of communicating this, is but the, the gospel has advanced not just in Dimapur, India, but out from there. So if you look at this next slide, you'll see that 
we actually support six church planters that have uh, birthed out of uh, Hope Outreach Center. Uh, they're out in three different states around Nagaland now. Uh, names like Paul and Simon, Amrit, Chandra, KC, Naraj, Kamkar. Uh, all of those men are out in their villages bringing the gospel to the least of these. Uh, and it's all because it started uh, in Dimapur, India, uh, with a dream. Uh, and they're looking at that dream and they're saying, wow, <laughs> you know, you can change a village by reaching kids. You can change a community by reaching kids. And so they're now all starting to dream about the same dream that we had in 2005. What would it look like if we could build something like that where we live? And so Pastor Naraj, who oversees all of the church planners, he's in the next state called Assam, uh, he's begun that dream. So if we look at this next slide, you'll see that... Uh, What's going on in Pastor Naraj's church this week is they dropped off a load of bricks. Uh, they've started to dig up for a foundation, uh, and he's getting ready to build uh, the ground floor of what he hopes will be the next uh, Hope Outreach Center. And I said, so Naraj, where are all these funds coming from? He said, I don't know. The Lord, if the Lord wants it, the Lord will have it. You know what? I don't argue with that anymore. Not a bit. And so... Uh, it's just so cool to see that. Another cool thing I forgot to tell first service is that we support a, a, a church, a Nepali church in Syracuse, who's looked at this and said, we are going to start our own mission in Nepal, and they are building a Hope Outreach Center by money that the Nepalis in Syracuse give to a church in Nepal to reach the kids there. It's just, just incredible. So let me, uh, let me close with a, with a few thoughts here. Um, I still remember 2005 like it was yesterday. I remember everybody that was sitting in that ditch with us. There was a group of us in a ditch. If you take a look at this card, by the way, on the back of this card is a QR code. Here's how we fund Hope Outreach Center. We ask you to commit to support Hope Outreach Center for a day. You go, oh, wow, how much is that? $50. Can you imagine that that entire facility runs teachers, snacks, everything for $50 a day? So there's a QR code on the back here. We're asking you, you know, just scan that. It'll bring you right to a page. And basically, we're going to ask you one question. How many days are you in for in 2023 to help the gospel continue to be advanced in this part of the world? And just fill that out and tell us how many days, and uh, we'll trust God for it. And... Uh, Praise God, we've never had a problem funding uh, Hope Outreach Center. But if you look on the front of that, you'll see uh, in, the low, in the center right-hand side uh, a little thatched building. If you look really close, you'll see a blue sign there, and, it, and it, that's what I was looking at. That's what all of us were looking at when we went there in 2005. And that sign said, future site of, and we were in this ditch. It was 106 degrees we had a broken pickaxe, and they wanted us to, you know, start digging a ditch to build a wall around this supposed building that they were going to build. And all of us had the same thought: "You are insane. This is this 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 is a this is a, more than a dream." And then here we are, in 2022, looking at the Hope Outreach Center that uh, started with a ditch back in 2005. God is the God. Two things. 
hey, God is a God of the impossible. In fact, he does his best work when it's impossible. And secondly, uh, as much as we can pat ourselves on the back, this is not human-led. You know, we've probably sent almost $400,000 over 17 years to India for this. Who does that? No one does that. You know, it, when you're planning out your finances, that's probably not what's at the top of your list. But when, when you're spirit-led, when, when the Spirit of God says, this is worth it, you know, stuff is stuff. It just goes away. This is our legacy. This is our legacy. This is going to outlast us. Uh, and so it's just, a, it's just a great endeavor. I'm, I'm just so glad that we're a part of it. But there's a universal truth that is true. I don't care what country you're in. If you're a parent, you love your child. And you want only the best for your child. I don't care if if you're a rural farmer in India, you want the best for your child. When people start telling, start showing the love of Christ to your child and making your child happy, it changes not just the children. It changes that family, and it changes that village, and it changes that community. And God is a God of the impossible, and if he can do the impossible half a world away, uh, I'm wondering... Why we think he can't do the impossible in our own backyard? I mean, we are dreaming about Southwest Auburn today. And I've got some good news because the Good News Club, if you go to that next slide, you go to the Good News Club, which we prayed for four years, is starting this Wednesday. Amen? This Wednesday. We have, are you ready for this? We have a total of three kids <laughs> and four adults. It's all we need. It's all we need. Next year, when someone's talking to you about the Good News Club, they're going to tell you there's 50 kids there. And so we're starting at Genesee this Wednesday uh, with a Good News Club, but we're also looking at a plot of land that's not far away from that school. And we're dreaming. have no clue if that's where the Lord wants us or not, but we're dreaming. The Lord is, you know, do you want us to build a, a hope center right here in Auburn? Because if you can do it with a church from Skinny Atlas to Dimapur, India. It's just down the road to Southwest Auburn where, you know, there's some forgotten kids and families that need the love of Jesus. And, and I think we have a, a group of people here right, right here that can show them how to, what that looks like. Thanks for your time. Wasn't that exciting? Man, I'll tell you, that gets me riled up. Uh, just to realize how God can use us. You know, and it's not difficult, and it's not like, well, we need to be a certain type of person to be used by God. You just need to be available. Mm-hmm. People all worried about training, this and that, and the other thing. No, just be available and say, God, use me. Pour me out. Someone likened the church... In this way, they said the American church, I want to I just create a picture of a cruise ship versus a battleship. He said a cruise ship is a picture of the American church because a cruise ship has a mission. The mission is that all the, the people on board are happy, they're served, they're taken care of, they're, they're enjoying their experience. 
And if they don't, they raise their hand, they talk to the captain or whatever and say, you know, we need to change this because I, I, I don't like whatever. See, the battleship's different. The battleship has a different mission. Defend and protect. And what I've heard with people is they, when they talk about that analogy, I mean, they, they say, well, yeah, but what about the people in the church? We need to be fed and we need to be cared for and this and that. Listen, do you know anything about a battleship? The truth is the crew needs to be well-equipped. They need to be strong. They need to be healthy. They need to have trust. There's a deeper community on a battleship than there ever is on a cruise ship. A cruise ship, you walk in and you walk out, you may not ever see the people that, that cruised with you. A battleship, you have a relationship for life because of the depth of those forged relationships that you have. We are like a battleship. We are to have forged relationships, healthy people, but we must not forget our mission. Our mission isn't just to grow spiritually strong. Our mission is to spread the gospel to the furthest ends of the earth. Don't forget our mission. I want to take you to a couple scriptures. We're going to do this fast, but I want you to hear what Jesus says. Just before he departs, he said, I want to tell you disciples what your mission is. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've heard this passage but it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And he says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have committed to you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. In Christianity, sometimes we view Christianity as something that's really about us growing, coming to church, kind of checking the box, doing our, our group study, doing all of these things. And that's, those are important things, don't get me wrong. But it's not the mission. Jesus said, it's not about the church just coming together. It's about the church going out. He says, go and make disciples. If we waited for people to come to the church to hear the good news of the gospel, there are so many people that would never hear. We need to be the light and the salt and the truth and the ones who are able to share Jesus with those around us. And, and some people go, well, I, I don't, I'm not sure how to do it. Listen, don't reduce this to a process. You just share how God has transformed me. He can transform you. Share the gospel. It's powerful. Our mission statement here at the church I wonder, how, it's, it's very long. <laughs> I've been asked to see if we can reduce it a little bit, but it encompasses what we believe. Our mission statement is this. We believe that God wants us to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and be transformed by the gospel as we live faithful lives of worship. As we're growing on that battleship, as we forge relationship, as we grow in health and strength, we go out and we share the hope of Jesus with those around us. That's the mission. 
Do you, have you ever had a, a family member that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe it's your spouse. It could be a child. It could be a, a father, a mother. It could be somebody close to you, maybe your best friend. And you say, man, I would love for them to come to faith. I would love for them to hear the gospel and, you know, just accept Jesus as their Savior. And you've shared Jesus with them. You've been faithful and you've been that voice. And you, you're, you're praying for them. You know what I found? I found in my life, what I pray is, God, bring, them along, bring someone alongside of them to be a voice. Bring someone else alongside of them at their workplace and just speak the hope of Jesus into them. Bring somebody in their community that will speak up and share this amazing message of Jesus. And what I've found in life is that sometimes those prayers are being prayed by families, by individuals, and we get to be the answer to that prayer. We get to be the ones who are present there, maybe with a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a grandparent, and we can say, I, I'm not a theologian. I'm a beggar who found bread. And I'm going to tell you also that you as a beggar can find bread. We, we, just, we just share the simplicity of the gospel with them. And maybe your voice is the answered prayer of that grandma who has been praying for 30 years for their kid. And so we need to remember our mission. The next thing is we need to make sure our, our motivation is pure. I've heard too many evangelism training classes and everything. It's about obligation, duty, guilt, fear, all, all of these things. And it's like, you need to go do it. You need to do this. And I'm like, you know what I see in Scripture? This is what I see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that the love of God compels me to share. Mm -hmm. The love of God is God has transformed me as he is loving me as I have experienced the depth of his forgiveness and the hope that I have in Jesus. I want to share it with others. I want to share it. It's not guilt. It's not obligation. Let's not reduce this to a process. Let's remember it's about people. That's why I love the disciples. They weren't like, you know, rocket scientists. They weren't brain surgeons. They were just everyday people who God empowered through the Spirit to do extraordinary things. Thank God, because I'm like, I would have no hope. But he took an average, ordinary person and said, I can use you. You know what? It takes availability. It takes surrender. It takes belief in not your abilities and his ability. And I want to take you to that passage of Scripture because in Acts chapter 1, he begins to birth the church. And we're going to be going through the book of Acts in a coming series soon. But I want you to see how he bursts this out. And he talks about the mission that they are going to engage in. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, he says this. If I can find it. There we go. In verse 6, he says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's two key things he identifies here. He says, You've, you're not strong enough to, to engage the mission alone, independently, on your own. He says, the Spirit of God empowers the people of God to pursue the mission of God. These guys had just seen the resurrection. They were all charged up. They're like, let's go. He goes, you're doing nothing, man, because you can't do this without the Spirit of God empowering you to do it. And so we need the Spirit of God to empower the people of God to pursue the mission of God. The, th the four areas that he mentions, I'll mention this briefly. I think there's two things. First, geography and then relationship. So when he talks about Jerusalem, it's those closest in proximity to you. It's relationally, you're talking about family, friends, you know, those coworkers that you know well, you've worked with for several years. That's who he's talking about in the Jerusalem, those closest to you. And then he says Judea, those that are a little bit further removed in those outlying communities, we would call them relationally acquaintances. Don't know them well, but I know them. And then he says Samaria, that's even further away. It's in the region around geographically. And relationally, Samaritans were despised. They weren't liked by the Jews. And so he's saying, even relationally, understand, take the gospel that though to the people that you may not like, that you may despise. See, the difference with Christianity is the Bible says that we're not just to love the people we like. He says, love your enemies. Love the despised. Love the forgotten. Love the ones who you wouldn't normally love. Why? Because the Spirit of God resides in you, and he's doing his great work. Then the last one is to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's people you've never met and you may never meet. It's Nagaland, India. Do you know every time we can change a person's life, the impact on so many other lives? When you see a child's life transformed and they grow up and they marry somebody and their kids are transformed, you're talking generational impact. We get to be a part of it. It's incredible. But we as a church must never lose sight of our mission. Otherwise, it's all about us. And the only thing we're going to hear is, I didn't like this. I don't know. I like that. I don't know. Listen, it's not about us. The crazy thing about it is on a cruise ship, you think, you know, this is where the most fulfillment comes is when people are waiting on you and serving you. It's pleasurable. I mean, if you're thinking about it and you were thinking, man, I was thinking maybe I should send the pastor on a cruise. I'm not saying that you should squelch that. I'm thinking maybe I need to experience it to speak on it better. But the truth is we, we think that that's fulfilling. You know, it's temporary. You know, the greatest fulfillment in life that I've experienced as a person and have experienced some of the pleasures. There's nothing more fulfilling than seeing God change a life. 
Mm-hmm. There's nothing, nothing compares to it. Change a life, change an individual, change a marriage, change a family, change a generation, change a community. I don't know, but you can count me in. I'm in. And we as a church need to be in. And I'm calling us as a church, we need to pursue our mission. And I'll tell you this, it's a lot easier to pursue the mission in Nagaland. I don't mean this wrong, but man, I can write a check, I can scan the QR code and feel good, but it's reaching the person at my workplace, it's reaching the people in my community, it's sharing Jesus, Jesus with those in my Jerusalem, and I think that's why he says, in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, start where he's got you planted. So what's it take? You have to be intentional. Knowing about it doesn't help. Accomplish it. It helps. It doesn't help accomplish it. But we, we need to be intentional. We need to step into moments and say, God, use me to share the message of the gospel with those around me. Surrender. Ask God to fill you and empower you. And then just step into moments and see what God does. I would share with you a million stories, but I don't have time. I just know this, that God is writing his story and he's chosen to use us. Isn't that cool? He's chosen to use us. So, Father, this morning as we even consider these things, may again this be a moment where we are reminded of how blessed we are as a people to have experienced the love that you have given through the person of Jesus Christ. God, may it never, ever grow old. May that fire in us just grow stronger. As we experience your love and the transformation in our own lives, God, help us, compel us to tell others as well how their life can be changed forever in this life and in the life to come. God, help Grace Chapel be a point of life, a light that changes our community, our region, and the world as much as we can have an impact. But God, help us with our Jerusalem. And we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.